Yeah, and we're back, boys. Welcome to the Empire Dynasty League podcast, season four. We are getting raring to go here, and I'm uh, your host, Ben, in case you weren't aware. Joined by Christopher Keane. How are you? Uh, very well, gents. Season four is amongst us. No rings at the uh, in the podcast at the minute, but uh, we'll rings. work on that. We'll and work on that this year, I reckon. Joined by another ringless member, Hodcast. How are you? Very good, boys. We are certainly back. And hasn't it been in demand, this oh. little episode, by one man in particular? Yeah. Who, might, who might feature heavily in this first edition. Just uh, just keep the people salivating for what they want. But I, I just had a quick look back here and um, just at the the current timestamp or the date, if you will, at the 4th of September for today, we were um, dropping pod number 15 this time last year. So maybe Matt's got a point there. <laughs> we have oh, been yeah. maybe sitting back a little bit too much. Sometimes you just don't know uh, how good you've got it until it's gone. So... It just shows the uh, the pod has many a following and uh, was, there was uh, some keen responses for it to come back quickly. But we've had a good break. We're refreshed and we're ready to hit the season just in three or four days, actually, boys. Mm. Well, yes, you don't know what you have until it's gone, but maybe we don't know what we're missing out on until you work at Mintbet because it sounds like he's got all the time in the world to be listening to episode after episode, to be wheeling and dealing trades. It's he, all happening at the Prestige. He must be able to write it off as like professional development or something for that job, I reckon. And just how many podcasts can I listen to and count this as work? Ridiculous. He, he is a changed man, isn't he? And he of is. course, he's got the uh, EDL ring, but he's also uh, just nestled up to the lovely with another ring. Uh, well, mate, you jumped in. I was going to hit the news drop and announce that news, but you're absolutely right there. Congratulations to our... Uh, Second EDL champ, Matty Mack, Thais, Prestige Worldwide, whatever you want to call him. The man has uh, said one ring was not enough, presented a ring to his beloved Lulu. So welcome to the pod, Lou. He's actually um, he's actually got a new slogan for this year, boys. It's investors, possibly Lou. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> well. <laughs> Shit. And you wonder why we haven't been recording pods. So you've been missing out on that quality for 15 episodes this season. Um, it is. I'm. I'm very appreciative. Obviously, finding out the news that Maddie Mac has gone and got engaged because it's the only way that we seem to increase our listener base. Um, we've got 12 listeners, and we're just hoping that eventually, if everyone gets engaged and married, that we'll slowly just double our listenership to 24. Is the hope. Hod. Well, while we're on that. Who do you think of the league is next up? Batter up, boys. Ooh, surely, uh, I don't know. Surely someone could just get a, a a good proposal technique would get a certain guitarist to serenade his loved one. Go, DFF! Surely we could get a <laughs> yes. bit of Mike Brady in on the proposal action there for the DFF. Yeah, well, little action for the dynasty team, but maybe he's got a bit more action off the field. It's... <laughs> <laughs> It's his best chance of getting a ring, I reckon. Every newsman in this city is laughing at us, and I don't like it. 
All right. Well, we spoke about off uh, off the field news with our league here. Let's talk about just. I mean, a lot of shits happened in the um, <laughs> this entire off season that we haven't done a pod since the rookie draft itself. Uh, I just wanted to talk about the real life zero RB strategy that's going on in the NFL. So this sort of encompasses a lot of news that's been taking place in the NFL this off season, but. Sort of like Manny at the Sensible Haircuts just got in the ears of every NFL um, owner and GM and just said, mate, have a look at what we're doing over here. We've all got slick haircuts. We're all very nice and perpendicular in our uh, in our dues. Why are you bothering to spend money on this position uh, when players like Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, they're having to accept pretty low contracts for uh, the seasons they just churned out. They're only taking one-year offers, and then you've got JT and the absolute saga, Keeney. And I will say, throw to you on this one, because he's in a, an even more precarious position for this season. He is. It has been a bit of a saga, hasn't it? Um, we'll see what happens there on the pup list for at least four weeks, and obviously requesting to be traded. Uh, Hod, as a, as a shoe fan, you'd know a bit about this, but... Um, be interesting to see if they do actually trade him. the the whole pup The whole thing with the, putting him on the pup list was seemed strange from the outset. It sort of uh, hasn't helped either party, I don't reckon. Um, but yeah, week week five is the earliest we're going to see him. Yeah, I I think this is fractured um, with no return, especially from the Jim Ursay side. I I know Chris Ballard's saving face and doing everything he can to repair the relationship, but I I think it is gone. And I just find it very interesting with these very rich men with all the power in the world that on one hand, he says, JT, we just can't give you the money. You're worthless. And on the other hand, he's like, we want first round picks. You're worth everything to us. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Jim Ursa's never made too much sense, but it is a sad position um, to be in the NFL when these running backs are the heart and soul of the offense in most situations and get treated like this. Do you reckon the death of the position happened when committees became more commonplace in the NFL? Like you used to have when we started sort of getting into fantasy NFL, it was every team had one running back and they were a three down back. They were the every man. But then when receiving backs and then third down specific running backs and these sort of three head committees took place, do you think that that might have been sort of what has just been dragged out, but we've eventually landed on this position. I'm um, I'm thinking I might disagree with that. If if I think back to the Patriots, they always had running back committees. I even think of the Colts team that was Joseph Adai, Dominic Rhodes, one two punch. You think of the Giants, you had the big fella with Ahmad Bradshaw, I, I, and even Kansas City more recently, they had they had a full committee with no lead back. So. I, I don't know if they've um, the teams with success that have had the ultimate success have had that one true back and maybe that's where this is coming from. But yeah, it's, it, I, don't, I don't know what the answer well, is for running backs. To those examples there, they were sort of the outlier teams, whereas now to have one every down back is sort of to be an outlier now. So maybe it's just that the rest of the NFL has caught up and gone, you know what, we don't have to invest in a Barry Sanders or, you know, mm. Emmett Smith or all these guys that sort of had this high prestige of being an absolute gun position. 
How, how many years in a row do you reckon Adrian Peterson went 101 in oh, in red? Like Ladani like and that. Tomlinson, like they were just yeah. absolute locks. And CMC sort of still holds that in a redraft point of view, but we are he's sort of proving to be an outlier now than than a mainstay. Yeah, well, it's funny because he's probably the one over the last two or three years that's actually got a decent contract. We're talking about it offline before the Niners actually paid him. Well, they picked up a lot of his money or all of his money and, and paid a reasonable amount of draft capital to get him. But that's probably the trend at the moment. Just the replaceability of the position in real life has has really dried up the market for running backs. Um, and I sort of I sort of relate it to Ruckman in the AFL. If you don't have mm. two or three, two, the top two or three, they're all the same. So why pay for why pay for fifth when fifteenth is just as good? And I think that's sort of a similar sort of mindset in the NFL at the moment with running backs. Hmm. That's that's an interesting comparison. Um, and it also is a lot of it timing, I think, with they only can really afford to pay him when they have a rookie quarterback on that deal before they have to pay him 50-plus million a year. So you look at uh, Zeke was the last running back or one of the last few that got that five-year expensive deal, and that was on Dak's rookie contract, um, just for one example. And we shouldn't also um, dismiss the fact that it's a, it's a limited shelf-life position. Like these running backs that have been in the league for four or five years, that they're probably at their peak in terms of they've, you know, their their bodies are probably a bit banged up. Um, that's why the rookies are so valuable, I reckon. As Depends well, depends so. how many how many years in college they spent being mm. the number one guy as well. Like you kind of forget how many reps that they they actually have under their belt before they become NFL quarterbacks at a pretty yeah. high paced. Um, it's yeah, college is very much like a professional league in itself, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, what, why don't we talk about the impact that this has on Dynasty for all of us playing at home? Yeah, um, well, I was going to, I've got the list up here. So this is, this is just an interesting uh, sort of point. This is the, the running backs ranked by their total cash that they're earning for this season. So I just thought I'd give us the top 12 since we like to work in RB1 sort of uh, territory with Dynasty here. And I just want to read off these names and see where they sort of sit based off a dynasty point of view here. So number 12, we've got Dalvin Cook. So he's just gone and signed a new contract with the Jets there. They've gone and made him the 12th highest earner at the running back position for this year. Uh, Number 11, anyone want to have a guess if you don't know the list already out of you two? No idea. You would have a million guesses and you wouldn't guess James Conner sitting at number 11 there. Number 10 is uh, someone who has just sort of come into relevance, particularly this year, with an NFC East team. Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard sitting there at number 10. Uh, equal 10th is another NFC East running back, only getting the single-season contract. Saquon Barkley there. Mm. So equal with Tony Pollard in earnings. Then number eight, uh, a guy that's been doing it for a hell of a long time. Everyone's waiting for him to drop off a cliff. He's earning $10.5 million this year. Plays for their Derek. Titans, Derek. Then uh, number seven here is Jameer Gibbs. I'll just go straight mm. out with him. So this is where at number seven, a young guy is coming in uh, and just already launching himself into one of the highest earners at that position for this season. Number six, you Sorry? Pick 12. Just saying, first round 12. running back. So. Exactly. Uh, pick, uh, sorry, number six here, Keeney, your boy, who's uh, starting the season suspended, Kamara. Mm. Uh, who, how many years were you saying he has on his contract? 
uh, five left, so it must have been a six-year deal for and, 75 large. And I suppose they're, they're the only sort of backs that get those deals, I reckon. Maybe not in the future, but, like, he's a special running back where he's Receiving obviously, is obviously his Amazing receiver. Yeah. And pretty good runner as well. So I think they're the types that can get the contracts not many else can. Yeah, and Derek Henry's got to be the outlier because his skill set is more in just, you know, having lots of carries, but not so mm. much uh, commonplace. Number five, uh, one of our podcast favorites here, the old Nick Chubb. Oh. Number five there, Aaron Jones. Number four, um, this guy just signed this contract for this season at number three, and that's Josh Jacobs with 11.7, basically 11.8 million for this season. And then you mentioned number two already, Keeney. Uh Probably an outlier in terms of being valued, and the 49ers certainly traded for him, value him very highly in what they do with Christian McCaffrey earning $12 million bucks this year, which leaves the number one earner for this season at a bloke who hasn't played an NFL snap in the regular season in Bijan, which mm-hmm. if that doesn't sort of highlight where we're paying running backs that have been doing it for years and proven talent and proven that they can actually hold their own in the NFL as opposed to a guy who everyone is forecasting will do a very good job at it. So I just thought that's a fascinating list there. Uh, And when you compare it to sort of the average draft position in fantasy, you know, there's players who didn't even get listed there. Austin Eckler um, didn't even get mentioned in the top 12. Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Etienne, uh, Ramondre sits just outside. So there's there's a lot of these guys who are going very, very high in the fantasy world for a redraft league, but very, very low in real-life cash. Um, I suppose then let's make it about dynasty. What does this mean from a dynasty point of view when it comes to valuing the RB position in your eyes? I would uh, throw to Keeney here because I think the relevance is for those who are contending right up the pointy end. So the timing is crucial because if you look at Jacobs, you look at Tony Pollard, there are only a handful of these premium running backs that are on multi-year deals and two of them are a rookie. So Mm -hmm. there there are a lot of these that are going to be one-year rentals. So you really have to time your run and be willing to have them for only a year and then flip them. Yeah, and I suppose that's the point. It's, It's really hard to flip them. And if you are a contender, you're only flipping them to other contenders. I think that's the mm-hmm. that's sort of the main one. They are valuable um, assets to ha- to own, but it's such a limited pool of teams you can trade them to. I reckon yeah. just because uh, there's no point trading them to someone who's trying to tank or who's not probably going to make playoffs. So they so, are they are valuable in that sense, but um, because there's so few of them, but being able to flip them may be really difficult and not worth it, so you might as well just keep them as a 27, 28, 29-year-old and hope for the best. Yeah, becomes a bit of a paradox in terms of if you think, all right, their value's capped, I've got to flip, but there's no one to flip with. It almost is our dynasty imitating real life in that you've got JT holding out, people aren't valuing him, yet no one wants to trade him what they think is fair value. And the other the other point is a little bit to what Matt's done is how valuable valuable it is for a contender to be able to go up and get a first round rookie running back. If you're able to do it now, not all contenders will have the draft capital to be able to do that. But because they can produce in year one, two, and three, um, it's a massive leg up if you can get your hands on one. Like obviously Bijan, we're going to talk about, but he's um, he's a huge a huge advantage for Matt for the next three years. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
and like that that's what some dynasty uh team managers do they just they'll stay up the pointy end forever but you have to have the draft capital to do it you are flipping your first every year for another proven back just to stay alive otherwise you you basically go down with the ship you'll just have them all and they'll all crumble at the same time and you got to start again so it is a really interesting way how you do the premium running back strategy Mm. I will. Uh, we'll move on. Obviously, we don't want to talk too long, too seriously about this shit. But I just thought it's an interesting sort of saga that's been playing this off season. One that has some real uh, interesting things to think about from a dynasty point of view. But let's uh, let's move to our last pod and, and give a bit of a recap here for draft night. Um, so if you listen to the first pod that we dropped for 2023, it was our uh, <laughs> live draft with some live reactions and. Some very, very uh, funny moments in there, but sort of a sad recap here, Keeney and Hod, because it, it will go down as the last Vale Street draft. So it served its home for the first three rookie drafts, um, and that will be the last one. You don't realize it's the last time until it's past the fact. How, how are we feeling about having to have a new location? I thought we signed a five-year contract, Keeney. Well, we did, but uh, there's always the fine fruit that you can get out of. Um, it is a it is a sad time that I suppose I reckon the the best part about I reckon year two rookie draft will always go down as one of the great rookie drafts. The fact that we were only going to do the first round and then it just evolved into doing it all in the one <laughs> night was unbelievable, and still one of the best podcasts you will ever hear. Um, that 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 deserves a mention as well. But uh, we'll be right. We'll find another venue that. Uh, We'll be, uh, we'll be good to go. We will find another venue. And what we can all be thankful for is this great league has nothing to do with Hadrian Keith and we will not be going to Heidelberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jim, Jim's certainly not a fan of that uh, place to draft if he wants to shit his pants <laughs> after <to> four picks. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, for anyone who didn't listen to the last episode, I'll save you the couple of hours. Um, Pretty much went down with uh, the biggest talking points was probably Will Levis getting drafted and then Jake uh, having this to say. Are you fucking mad? Are you fucking recording? This is fucking ridiculous. You're the dumbest cunt I've ever seen in my whole life. (laughs) I hope the pod caught that. What a um... fuck that up. Good job. Fuck, you got seven of them. You're a dickhead. So there we are, Jake's thoughts after Will Levis got traded and probably the only other uh, highlight was what he had to say after Scoot took uh, a tight end. Scoot! Scoot, no! <laughs> He's a blocking tight end! How many points? Scoot! <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right, so they were pretty much the, the biggest takeaways, but, um, you know... This might be one that gets a run for this year as well. What do you think, Keeney? What's that? Absolute toin cost. <laughs> oh, it's definitely Any, a toin cost. Anytime we've got a decision to make that could go either way. Absolute toin cost. And that will... Uh, <laughs> I might just have a counter on how many times we run with that. That could that could go down as the most overused sound grab. More than go DFF. Uh Anyway, we'll keep moving on. And I accidentally clicked the button before <laughs> during Jake's recap. But uh, let's let's recap or let's start to sort of get stuck into this season with our first ever for 2023 power ranking. That's the power of love. 
And for the last month, month and a half, we've been slowly just reaching out to uh, every member of the league and getting their thoughts on who they think the uh, the top 12 ranked teams are and the order of that. So we've been uh, taking all of this data and uh, information, putting it together, compiling it and coming up with a pretty comprehensive opening list because... I think the starting power rankings is probably the most important one because it's the best one to look back and see, you know, just how different the league's thoughts were to what actually pans out. So we'll start off with uh, what the consensus thoughts for the number 12 team, the uh, the bottom feeders of the league, and that is the straight cash homies coming in at number 12. That's what the league thinks of the homies. Uh, just a really quick recap as well I'll go through before I get your thoughts there, Keeney, is uh, the ins for the homies are Kyle Pitts, Jalen Naylor, and Jaden Reed, and the outs are uh, Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, Christian McCaffrey, Dallas Gildert, and Ryan Tannehill just recently. So some big outs there, which might be why the league thinks the homies are going to sit there at number 12, Keeney. Yeah, it's uh, fascinating. The straight cash homies, number 12, as you said, we've, we've obviously gone around and and whether it was by phone call or text or whatever, we got we got everyone's thoughts. But the straight cash homies, number 12, the, the most winningest franchise in EDL history, number one for wins over the first three years, and here he is at number 12. So mm. I think the whole league thinks it's going to be a bit of a transition year. As you said, we've seen a few of the moves that he's made in the offseason. Um, my question would be, is there more moves to go? Who on his roster has a little bit of trade currency that he can go all in maybe for Caleb Williams and the 101. Like it's going to be a huge talking point, a massive fillet to whoever gets him. It's going to be massive, bigger than Trevor Lawrence. It could be, it could be the next Mahomes. So if you're going to tank, you might as well do it properly. It doesn't guarantee you anything. But is there anyone else on his roster you can see getting flipped? Well, the most interesting and the biggest ticket is Kyla Murray. Uh, but mm. before we get to that... Uh, I'll get your thoughts on this one, Benny. Brock Purdy, you you seem to think that his currency is at its absolute highest and may never be here again. Are you surprised that he still has him on the roster? Well, I don't know if I'm one to listen to as the person who flipped Jalen Hurts thinking that his currency might have been at the absolute highest. And uh, boy, was I wrong on that one. But oh, I just think with a player like him, he got him for nothing um, his list is where it is, is having Brock Purdy on his roster when potentially he could be, you know, a, a starter for the 49ers for the next four years, or he could just be this year, has some value right now. Do you sort of try and catch lightning in a bottle, sell him to a team in need of a QB? And, and if you are doing what we think Timos is doing, just try and get as many sort of picks and valuable young players in as you can with him. Yeah, um, agreed. And what about Mike Evans, boys? This is the one that I'm very surprised is still on the roster. He's 30-plus. He's awfully productive. I think he's quarterback-proof. He could be a very handy inclusion to a contender. Mm. So what have you been doing, boys? No offers? Well, he's an interesting player. I mean, it's what do you value a 30-year-old receiver that's, that does it consistently each year? And, and what would Tim want for him? They're probably the two things that you look at, but just with his team, just going back a little bit, you're right. Like you actually look at his starting lineup. It's not, not number 12 in the league for mine. Like he's got genuine scoring players everywhere. He'd want to be a bit careful if he does want to finish number 12. So look, well, does he, does he sell Evans for a second? Is that, is that palatable? 
as a 30-year-old receiver to a contender probably makes sense. You might have to take a little bit of a little bit off in a deal just to get him out, to get something for him because next year, what's he going to be worth? Well, the other thing as well, which I think we we sort of we have a tendency to do is he doesn't have to set himself up in week one to try and tank as well. Like there's not an issue with him slowly just sort of seeing how the league starts to play out because we've also found that teams that tank, well, the team that thinks they're going to get the number one pick or then the team that thinks they're going to have the number two worst record, they're sort of battling it off for a lottery pick anyway. And if it's someone where you really want the number one, well, Matt found out that you've got to pay up just to really secure that. So is he maybe trying to position himself to do a trade where he could just dangle a carrot and try and get the number one and the number two pick um, for next year or for the next rookie draft locked up and then he's got a ridiculous chance of winning the lottery. What would that come out to, Keeney? That'd be something stupid, wouldn't it, if you had the number one and number two? Yeah, I think it's around... Yeah, I think it's, it's like over 50 60% around there. It's not It's not that. Oh, so it's not even so... Okay. No, nah, nah, it's not. Because wow. number one pick on its own isn't, isn't 50%. It's, it's a bit less. It's 25. Yeah. So... Um, that's, I think that's why we, we've gone to the lottery system, but um, it's going to be a huge a huge ping-pong ball to draw. It that's for sure. sure but, will be. Oh, let's go Kyler Murray here. What do you reckon? What, he's, he's an interesting player on this roster because, A, will he play this year? B, does Tim want him to? And C, does he want to actually sell him or is he part of this team going forward? Yeah, really interesting considering Caleb Williams, which he's well in contention for, is potentially taking Kyler's job. Yeah. So I don't, uh, I don't see why Timos would have to move him. I think if he's out for eight weeks, uh, there's no and and he doesn't want to play. The cars wouldn't play him. They're going to draft his replacement. I don't see why he would need to move him. He can just sit for the year and then be on Tim's roster for next year with whoever comes in, whether it's Caleb Williams, Drake May, or who knows. As you said, his his list is better than what the league is giving him respect for. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long he has him for. I reckon you're spot on there, Hod. There's no rush for him to move him. He potentially gets moved on in in the NFL uh, system as well, and then he has... Fantastic value, I guess, a bit like a Deshaun Watson. His value absolutely skyrocketed after he got traded to the Browns there. But probably more interesting is the other QB that we haven't spoken about. And what does he do with Jordan Love? Because this is a guy who is going in now as the clear-cut starter, has his highest value that he's ever had up until this point. Is this going to be his peak? Is he going to absolutely stink and then lose value from here? What is? Uh, he's got a range of outcomes, and what do you think is an interesting or uh, likely move for Keeney to do with someone like Jordan Love? For Keeney to do? I won't be doing anything with Sorry, Timos. Jay Love. Uh, he's, look, he's been on his roster, obviously, since the since the start in the startup, and I think he was a 13th round pick. He's obviously held him for this moment. He's, he's gone the DFF route in terms of uh, waiting for the blossom to actually happen. Um, I think he just holds him and sees how he goes this year. There's been some pretty good reports about how he's going. Um, and without without trying to go too long on, on uh, the 12th-ranked team as voted by the league, <laughs> the other interesting dynamic with Kyler Hod is that a lot of the contenders who would be interested in Kyler don't have the best draft capital. 
So if he wants to get a boatload for him, does a contender actually have the boatload he needs to ship him off this year? So I, I agree with you. I think he just sits tight and, and sees what happens at the end of the year. Mm. Lots to play out. And uh, Timos, I'm sure, will uh, take exception to any thought that we've had on his <laughs> team. So uh, I look forward to getting his feedback. It's interesting for the, the winningest franchise in EDL history. I don't think Timos's team has got the biggest run over the years. And now he's at the bottom we're talking about him the most. It's interesting how the airtime works in the big biz. Well, that's Dynasty in a nutshell. And we'll get to our next ranked team, but they epitomise Dynasty more than any other team I've ever seen. They sure shit. The next two almost epitomise Dynasty more than anyone else. And the number 11 is the Pappas Punishers. Uh, boy, is this guy up and about on the chat when uh, when he's not losing... Uh, finals and when he's not stressed through his eyeballs about JD McKissick, he uh, he's having a great time just sitting there at the bottom and just uh, gathering all of his little resources for a big push. He's had one big in this offseason, that's Donovan Peoples-Jones, and then out goes Kenny Gainwell and Daniel Jones, which seems to be a bit of a tradition of uh, Papa on draft night when he gets his new set of picks. He loves to just snag him off Jimmer. Um Hod, what are your thoughts on the Punishers? Um, well, he's punished the draft board because he's got nine first-rounders. Over how long? Is it the next three years? Yep. Is it 3-3-3 three, 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 or has he got a four-stack in there somewhere? Um, I'll get IT onto it, but I think it's 2-3-4. Two, 2-3-4. Three, four. Two, three, four. Three, I thought he in 25. 3-4-2. Gotcha. So, as a boatload of picks, uh, this next draft is looking like the most valuable one in a long time. So, and we spoke about it before, Caleb Williams is looking like the unanimous number one, could be the best prospect in a long, long time. So, I think for this season, he is absolutely holding on to him. It will be really interesting after the next draft and seeing where his team sits how uh, he approaches the 2024 season because uh, he will be in a very nice position where he might have some nice assets, young assets, and then will he flip them to uh, jumpstart, similar to what you did, Keeney. Mm. Um, but this is the one I want to talk about, boys. The value of Justin Fields. He came on strong last year. We were very critical, we have to admit, in the off-season, he started slow, and then they unleashed him, and he turned into what looks like now, or easily top 10, but you could argue a top five dynasty QB moving forward. But what happens if Chicago come out of the block slow and have a pretty ordinary season? If they're having an ordinary season, that's got a lot to do with Justin Fields and his form. Are they going to keep him when they have potentially Caleb Williams or a Drake May or any of these other three quarterbacks that are held in pretty high regard? Are they going to stick by this guy or are they going to move to a better prospect? It's Yeah, it's a great question, I think, um, particularly with, with his roster. And he's the type of player that for mine is even though he, he probably seems to be pretty safe, he could be teetering on the edge if he does have a poor year. Because the thing is with Justin Fields is he's a good fantasy QB, 
But the jury's out on his ability to throw the ball in real life and to play the position uh, for Chicago. And look, Chicago this year had that opportunity, finishing with pick one, and they decided not to. Um, I think the next couple of QBs this year are a different kettle of fish in terms of prospects. So the, that's the question for Papa. Does he, would he seriously entertain a trade here to, to someone who could pay a lot for Fields to take that risk on? Because it works for him. Fields is going to score well in fantasy. Does he want Fields to be scoring well for his team, just to bottom right out? It's he's he's the last of any type of asset he's got, really. Um, but as you said, he's probably a top five QB in fan in dynasty. But what will it be next year? Who knows? Yeah, well, it's it's sort of a, a game of uh, roulette or even the stock market in that he's a young QB. He can go the. Uh, Jalen Hurts route and go from this point because Jalen Hurts, similar thing. He had one rookie season, was actually a good fantasy QB, but they weren't getting the wins on the field and the franchise probably for feel, uh, for Hurts weren't as committed to him because of where they drafted him. But um, there's got to be a certain point where if it doesn't translate in real life that they have to ask the question. And it's, I mean, I think if you're Papa, you just hang on to him for this year. And if the narrative starts to go that direction, then maybe you look to jump off ship and try and get what you sort of deem value. I know, Keeney, you did that with Daniel Jones. That was something you were a bit sort of fearful of where his value could have gone. And, I mean, looking back in hindsight, if you had to held on to him now, he's probably at his most valuable um, position, whereas you thought it could have gone absolutely the other way. Well, the third piece, then this is a theme of threes if you haven't cottoned on, ladies and gentlemen. But the third piece here is rings true for me. I've been down this end for a couple of years. It's bloody fun. Dynasty's a forever game. And it's a lot less stressful when you're playing for picks and you're not really caring about results. So I will pose it to you, boys. Is Papa having more fun with Dynasty now than when his team could arguably win. I I reckon so. And the other the other thing with being down the the bottom is it's almost like when you've got all that. So he's got nine first rounders. Like, is he actually going to want to use them to pick players? Because then the then the journey is starting to end. Like, does he actually just? Or maybe I'll push two of them into next year and get three next three more next year, and I'll just keep playing the game. Just keep it rolling. It's it is you're right. It's it's good fun being shit, and that's the beauty of dynasty. Is there's yeah, there's optimism no matter where you are on the table, um, and uh, that's that's the beauty of it. And uh, Papa's definitely in that boat. Hot. Well, when you when you're as McKissed on the dick as he is in the draft lotteries, and he plucks number one <laughs> picks out of nowhere, why wouldn't you stay down there? I've never seen a more filthy person, Keeney, than uh, that lottery night where Hod rocked up, didn't get the number one pick, and just straight up left. Yeah, it had uh, had an eerily similar stank to pitch and putt. A lot, nineteen ninety nine. You got your QB, mate. You're right. No, yeah. I was, I was fine. It was just couldn't have been a worse bloke, really. Oh anyway. goodness. Well, uh, talk about people who. Are always thinking that they are never losing, and that is the number ten person on this overall uh, EDL consensus power rankings, and that is the DFF. And boy, is he having the last laugh <laughs> when it comes to 
the off-season transactions that this guy has done, and that is, are you ready, boys, for the ins for the DFF? We have got uh, the ins of... Um, no, I guess that's... That's about all we have to say for the ins of the DFF. He's absolute donuts. He doesn't want anyone in. He's got the perfect lineup. He doesn't need to bring anyone in. He just gets rid of the people that are getting in the way in Duvernay and Quez Watkins. Um, Keeney, I mean, do you do you agree with the strategy of the number 10 consensus power ranking team? Yeah, it's. Uh, I will just, for the for the listeners out there, I will say we've, we haven't included the draft picks that teams have made. Just to, it's, This has been more of an exercise in looking at who the established players have uh, been traded in and out. So, yeah, the DFF hasn't uh, hasn't troubled the scorers there. But my first point of three on the DFF is how much longer can we wait, DFF, for your players to blossom into what you think they're going to become? Boys, I did some research this week, and the pot is back when Keeney's doing some research. And I went through the startup draft. I've got a lot of time on my hands, as you know. But I went back through the startup draft and I've had a look at, you know, everyone's picks in the startup draft. It's not great viewing, to be honest, but a lot of teams. So if we isolate the 11 teams, let's put the DFF to one side. We'll have a look at the other 11 teams. On average, those teams have three to four of those players that they took in the startup draft still on the roster. Okay, a lot of the times have been traded. Is Camo right. bringing down that average? Has he got 0.5 left on his Camo roster? Has, Camo, Camo has one. There's a few <laughs> teams with, with one, a couple with two, a few threes. Um, so anyway, that's pretty standard because obviously you move on or you trade or you, you, you're in the mix. The DFF has 11, <laughs> 11 players that he took in the startup still festering away on his roster. Now, that'd be one thing if he was flying, but DFF, you're 11 and 30 in the first three years, so your team's not exactly exploding with wins, and you thought, you know what, I'm just going to keep it the way it is. There's no need to trade. There's no need to make any changes. He's got a the lot of those. tariff is in full swing, boys. He's got a lot of those 11 just sitting on his starting roster still. It's, it is. Uh, it's, it's great viewing, but... Um, yeah, the the DFF. What what do we make of it, boys? What what's his move? He's got to he's got to do something. But we know we know the mantra, Keeney. Exactly. Is the mantra working though, Hod? Well, he's not losing. He, he's always winning. He's having the last laugh. He uh, he's not at the bottom of the power ranking, so he must no. be doing something right. Do you reckon we can get another bottle bet going with uh, him and Thais again and, and see if... Uh, well, he's got he's got Brees Hall coming back. He's got Kenny Pickett, who's having the off-season of a lifetime. Uh, well, it's ooh. exciting times at the, at the DFF. And obviously, the, the, the big thing that's hurt him clearly is Trey Lance, who Oof. you could... It could be on waivers, let's be honest. Trey Lance and uh, who else? Zachy Wilson. I mean, it, it kills you when, when those two... Picks just don't work out. But my other point is, is the QB curse for the DFF, is it finally over? Kenny Pickett, the hype in the off-season DFF, he's, he's got to be your new boy. I want to hear big things out of the Kenny Pickett train, mate, because I reckon you might have nailed one here. What do we think, boys? Speaking of big things, I was sitting down, and now I'm at a stand-up desk, boys, because Kenny Pickett, have a look at the off-season. Five from five touchdowns on the drives he was in. And how can you go wrong? 
you're throwing to the likes of the Mooth and G Pick. I mean, how can you go wrong? Uh, don't worry about Dijon, but uh, it's it. You couldn't have a better off season, and I know people will get carried away. It's just an off season. He's not playing against the ones, but you can't do any better than what Pittsburgh have done, and they are considered now the darling offense of the off season, and they wouldn't have it any other way. So there is absolutely hype. There could be reason behind it. It's a pretty talented offense. If that offensive line, they they blocked well last year, I think, for the run. If they can pass protect a little bit better and give him the time in the pocket, there is no reason why that first to second year jump for a QB, it's huge and it can play out here. Yeah, and I suppose my frustration with the DFF is with due respect to your division, Hod, it's a winnable division, DFF. <laughs> Make some moves, mate. You'll be in the playoffs. That's what we want. The league will be in a good place when the DFF is in the playoffs and talking absolute Can you imagine the amount of money we will pay Mike Brady to to serenade the DFF if he makes the playoffs? Uh, It's it's what the league needs. I mean, Scoot Scoot sent me a message. It was a bit harsh. He said that the DFF's ruined more professional athletes' careers than the Kardashians, but... (laughs) That's that's only one league member, <laughs> and I think the rest of the league is happy for the DFF to lift. Scoot no, Oh, speaking of, speaking of, speaking of, look who the league is just saying is just caressing the edges of the DFF, sitting there at number nine, the Bayside Executioners, uh, bringing in. Jalen Tolbert and getting rid of AJ Dillon, a startup uh, player that he loved for a long time there. Elijah Mitchell, a player that he got in for pretty good deal with the Kellen Mond and then uh, Brandon Cooks also making their way out. Who, so that bloke's still holding some pretty nice value, Brandon Cooks, um, going into that Dallas offense there. So, Hod, what have we got? What are our thoughts on the uh, Bayside Executioners? Well, there's plenty to be had, I think. So where does he go from here? He's sitting at number nine as per the league's thoughts on where we all sit. And we can we can probably say it's a bit like his sexuality, boys. I feel like he's ha- trying to have a bit each way. So I, I don't I don't know where he sits, to be honest. He's he I I really, and I've told him this, um, I really like the assets he has. That the starting lineup is pretty competitive. The quarterback room is a concern. There's no way around that. But the starting assets in the skill positions, I feel he has a lot to work with there. So it's a really hard team to put your finger on where they where they are going to hit this year. But isn't uh, isn't that uh, what he's feeling as well, I reckon? I reckon he's sort of looking at it going, my starting rosters are right. I might jag a few early and then I'm in the mix. Mm. He's, he's sort of having a... For mine, it, it looks like he's he doesn't know whether to sell off or hold. At well, the moment. yeah, I mean his list is a bit ambiguous, and uh, much like the the nickname of being old cantaloupe head, um, you know, that's such an ambiguous nickname because he could be rock melon head, he could be sweet melon head, he could be span speck head. Uh, they're just some of the many names that cantaloupe also goes by. So. It's a very ambiguous spot that he sits in at the moment, both nickname wise and roster. And head. Um, if we can get it back on course, <laughs> I, I think where he is conflicted is 
not having the number one pick, uh, his number one pick next year. That that puts you in a position where you sort of have to try. Yeah, what's the point of? Yeah, you shit? can't tank it right out um, from the start. So, um, and who yeah, holds his one. number one pick? The Punishers. So, very uh, another team that would love to hold a pick of someone who potentially looks like they might be near the bottom because that just increases his chance of getting the old Caleb Will- Caleb Williams uh, well, lottery. Enough said, Benny. You don't want to be handing that that bloke any more draft lottery and potentially putting his team <laughs> in a better position. So, up there, the executioners. And the last one, boys, we've we've mentioned him, the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Is he is he a chance? I don't know if he is. Well, he's only a chance if he can sell some assets mm. to get some firsts in the door. Mm. Um, so what are his assets? Some running back assets there that he can flip from his team? Is that what we're thinking? Madison, Monty. Yeah, Madison yeah. could be a huge, you know, one to three year player for a contender. Whether he gets a first or not, don't know. And how good that first can be to get in the... In the top six is probably debatable. I mean, he's, yeah. he's got Michael Mayer as well, who, um, uh, you know, he could flip to Jake, who holds him in pretty high esteem as well. So there's always that too. He could probably get a seventh in return, the way Jake speaks of him. But yeah, the only way I think for Scoot is he would probably hopefully get some back end firsts, multiple of them, and then try and flip them for a higher pick. I don't see another avenue with any assets that are worthy of a really top pick. So, mm. yeah, sticky situation, but he loves sticky. <laughs> he really does. Uh, speaking of another man who loves sticky, the number eight player on the uh, or team on our power rankings here is the Gym City Stallions uh, coming in off a bitter defeat in the grand final. The Gym City Stallions just sees... A uh, fair bit of movement. Who would have thought this bloke did some trading this offseason? So he brings in Romeo Dubes, Kenny Gainwell, Daniel Jens, Taysom Hill, <laughs> Taysom Hill, fuck, Michael Gallup, <laughs> McCall Hardman, Daniel Bellinger, Cortland Sutton, and AJ Dillon, just to name a few. And he's sending out Aaron Rodgers, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jared Geff, Kadarius Tony, Devonta Smith, and Keontae Ingram. Um... Just always fascinating, Keeney, when you put his ins and outs side by side, just the the types of players in and the types of players outs kind of tend to be a bit of a wash when you put them side by side because their trades, I assume, have gone on since pretty much he lost the grand final through till about last week. Yeah, exactly. And I think nothing sums it up more than his trade with the DFF who... Good on you, DFF. He had a trade. He traded uh, Devin Duvernay and Quez Watkins into the building for it. Gave the DFF a second, second and a fourth. Why are you laughing, Mod? Devin Duv. <laughs> Devin Duvernay and Quez Watkins for a second and a fourth. And then two months later, waved them both. So <laughs> just, just didn't get a heap out of them. But, yeah, uh, just didn't like what they brought to the <laughs> franchise. Enjoy the second and the fourth, DFF. Um, so, yeah, look, I think, Jim, the main talking point with Jim, obviously, a bit of respect. He, he did make the granny last year, had a great year, snuck in to the playoffs, and then that's what can happen when you get in the playoffs. But mm-hmm. um, the QB carousel for Jim, he started the year with, obviously, a very has a very valuable QB in Jalen Hurts, which uh, you wouldn't think he'd be 
getting rid of anytime soon, but a seriously important player in Dynasty. And then he obviously had Rogers and Goff uh, before the season start, traded them both out, and then decided to come back in and grab Daniel Jones after the draft night, which we all know about. So enters the season with genuinely probably only two QBs on the roster, which is an interesting talking point versus having, you know, three and probably a bit more depth in that space. But um, it's probably the way in which went about that, which was interesting. Boys, any any comments on that? I think I think it's not the worst strategy in terms of at the position where his list is having three quarterbacks. It's the only position that he could move. And yes, you get you lose that depth, but he's still got his two starters, and you you lose that third and try and up the skill positions, which he has. If if you're looking at the ins and the outs, there, the ins do look a lot better. Than, than what I actually thought going into this exercise. So um, obviously Rogers and Goff are, are huge assets there in Superflex, but there are some players that he can now work with and have some depth where he just did not have that in the mm. skill positions before. Yeah, which I think's I think's what he wanted. I think the big question is can he can he close the gap on on Camo? Now he wasn't far away from Camo last year, but I reckon. Um, but he's probably the team to beat in the divvy, or may, maybe not. We'll see. Hod close um, close the gap. He's uh, he finished better than Camo on the season. Is that closing a gap, or is Camo trying to close the gap on him? Well, yeah, it's probably it probably raises a good point, and I think the league's perception of Jim it might be different to the reality. Um, the perception is that Camo's clearly got a better team, and will you know clearly finish above him, and he did. He did last year, but not when the in the playoffs uh, happened. So who knows? I just I just think if everything goes right, he's he's in the mix again in that division. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest talking point with Jim's whole team is, boys, he's got a second rounder Ooh. in the bank. How long will it be before that just gets whisked away for uh, a couple of? Receivers, Hod. Another Devon Doove. A couple of Devon Dooves and Quezzy Wokens. <laughs> Wokens. I've got um, three thirds. Uh, oh, so, yeah. Jim, three thirds and a fourth. So, <laughs> well, I'm going to tee something up before the end of this pod. Uh, yeah, no, look, let's be honest. It's not going to last probably beyond week two or actually beyond this week since you've now announced it on the podcast. <laughs> I reckon there's going to be a line of suitors that are going to be throwing deals his way for that second rounder. It's Camo's, it, by the way, isn't it? Yeah, it's Camo's. But also, I'll, I'll push back on the on the Jim comment about him uh, closing the gap on Camo, Ben. The league has spoken here, and as we know, you've obviously gone through all 11 league members and uh, rigorous, rigorously uh, talk through each power ranking, but he's clearly number three in this division. We haven't even got to the other two yet, so clearly the league thinks he's behind not only Camo but someone else in the division. Hod. Mm. <laughs> well, shall we get to the number seven, the oh. real humdingers, ladies and gentlemen? That's where the league thinks this list is at. They've uh, they started almost like. Uh, 
almost like a 12-year-old running their first 400-meter race. They just go like a bat out of hell for the first 50 meters and then completely die in the ass for the rest of the race. That's how your sort of dynasty career has gone so far, Hod, but... People are uh, they're noticing your list. Their eyes are starting to pop at the uh, the types of players you're bringing in. And in come Tua Tugger Vugger Vugger Loa. Is that how? Uh, oh fuck! I should have had this one. Ready to go. He came up to me and tried to give me the old Tua Tag, whatever you pronounce his last name. <laughs> he comes into your list here, along with AJ Brown, Tyler, all the gear, Kadarius Tony, Brandon Cooks, who we mentioned. Uh, before and out go old slippery didge Jerry Judy also on his way out another player you brought in uh, and probably got rid of him at a nice time because he's also just having more injuries uh, this off season uh, after you got rid of him Taysom Hill Michael Gallup these are just all the players you gave Jim McCall Hardman <laughs> Daniel Bellinger <laughs> they all went to Jim <laughs> and Jalen Tolbert that's fucking ridiculous uh so, yeah, you, you offloaded most of your players to Jim and you brought in uh, a few stars there. So we've actually got you, Hod, reviewing your own team. How did this work out here? Yeah, I don't know why. I've, uh, it's, a, it's a lovely shade of blue, the highlighter. But well, do, you want, uh, do you want me to, to run with it? Yeah. Since, all right. Yeah, yeah, so I think flying under the radar is the first point we were going to talk about. But sitting at number seven, moving up from around your sort of 11, 12 position, I don't know if we can still say that you're flying under the radar anymore. I think that you have well and truly, um, with the Tua and the AJ Brown trades in particular, you've added them to your list. You've gone and brought in old A. Rich. And I think that the league's starting to look at the type of list that you've put together. And let's let's be real here in a very... Uh, middle-of-the-pack type of division, it doesn't take an awful lot there to, to make the playoffs in the division that you're in. So, Keeney, would you agree that we can't we can't continue to say that this bloke's going under the radar? Well, clearly the, the league has spoken here. Um, and no doubt, look at his starting lineup. It is It is more than competitive and more than capable of winning this division, I think. Um, you throw in the, the wild card that is Anthony Richardson this year, who knows? whether he has an impact this year or not. But I, I actually like what you've done off the waiver wire this year, Hod. I reckon Aiden O'Donnell, Clayton Tune, both interesting pickups that could have an impact this year and, and maybe next year as well. So um, I actually quite like your team. And don't forget, he's got three first-round picks this year. He's got two more first-round picks after that. So another player that, whilst the league thinks he's number seven at the minute, if he gets a sniff, Hod, are you willing to sell some of the first to really put your name forward and actually get back in the action. It's it's interesting. I look at your team. I look at sort of what I did, what Matt's done. It's sort of a one or two year rebuild and then bang, and you're back in it. So you're not down for that long, um, but you're back where you want to be after one or two years. I like your team. Thank you, mate. Um, it is – it's promising. It's a good position to be in, um, but – you mentioned it before. You you have these draft picks. They look good until they're not good. So the DFF can talk to this with picks two and three that have fizzled out and it does put your team back. So I'd like to think I've got a bit more of a foundation that if Richardson doesn't go how I think he will, um, I can weather it with the two other quarterbacks there. But it is, yeah, it's a nice position to be in. I, I do like some depth that I've got there, but it's an awfully young team. 
it's I was looking at it. It's my last two drafts were heavy. There were a lot of picks. I think I had twelve. So it's um, twelve this year alone. Sorry. So it is my depth is very very young. It is. Um, you're so, you're yeah. the youngest youngest team in the league this year um, easily in terms of in terms of age. So on average, but it's, it, but it's exciting as well. I reckon. It um, is. The fact that your team won two games last year, for mine, there's no reason why you can't win this division. Um, and uh, yeah, certainly, certainly would be my pick as a little dark horse. Who knows? If Ant, like, I, I think it it pivots on on Richardson. If he can be something in mm. year one, and you know has that have the, have the rushing ability, and um, you know, we've seen this before. Can he do sort of what Lamar did in year one? Um, you know, I don't think the Colts are going to be as good as what Baltimore were, but you never know. Like, he could absolutely break fantasy just like sort of Fields did last year. If he can beat Justin Fields, shit. Like, it's it's a massive advantage. You've got great young receivers. You've got a really good young tight end. You've got some depth at the QB position. I, yeah, I think you're, you've, got, you've got some upside. It's a pretty wide range of outcomes for your team, but I can see you contending. So did you bring in Randall Cobb, Hod, just to be the... Uh... The yeah, level-headed older, older statesman, just to really calm these young bucks down and say, "Boys, I know where it's at." Is that was that some of the thinking there? Yeah, I mean, Hard Knocks is a brilliant production, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard, I'm all aboard the Jets train. So, who's got Rogers? Just He's out of interest, Manny. Manny. <laughs> um, the yeah. old Hard Knock hard on. Oh yeah, still standing up, boys. But Brandon Cooks um, is a bit. Bit the same, obviously different capabilities here, but just need some wise heads in the young wide receiver room. We know they can be a bit diva-like, and I do love G pick, but I just need some older heads to settle him down a bit because he's you sure do blow the, up. The average age of your wide receivers is twenty four and a half, and you've got a thirty three year old and a thirty year old just sitting there at the top. So it sort of sums up how the rest of your uh, position looks there. And then uh, Dak Prescott. So I guess I'll just throw this one to you. Uh, Hod, you probably won't answer truthfully anyway, but uh, if Richardson takes off and if he is the type of player that you envision him to be as a Colts fan, as a dynasty owner, uh, do you look to maybe try and get a bit of uh, value out of Dak being the older person in that room and then build a bit of depth in, in other positions? Yeah, I mean, at the moment... Um, there is too much unknown with Richardson and Tua, to be fair. So Dak is probably the surest pick of the bunch. But yes, if Richardson comes on like I hope and think he will, um, for fantasy, that is, um, it does give me a bit of flexibility uh, to move one of them. Um, but also Tua, there's still a lot to go with him. Um, it's, it's all around health. I think he's going to be a great quarterback with that offense that he's got. Um, who just quietly went about going and getting JT. So if he stays healthy this year and Miami's already announced that they're willing to pay JT, there's no reason why they can't get him next year as a free agent and that, that offense just explodes even more. So, yes, it's there's definitely room for that, Ben, but definitely staying put for now. I like, Need to see how it all unfolds. I like the potential of that. That probably means that JT will end up on my roster if he becomes a Miami running back because, <laughs> boy, do I like having them. Um, but Hod, two wins last year. So if if the power rankings at the start of this year and where the potential of your team lies, 
is uh, true. Does that mean we might hear a little bit more of... Uh, of Ooh, we might hear a little bit more of Cool and the Gang as the season goes on. I, I don't want to play it too much, but a bit of... Ooh, get the... The sax and the trumpet going. I am. I'm excited just to think that we might get to play cool in the gang. Did we get to play it at all last year? Not even once. I don't reckon. No. I think Those we're... two wins. One of you boneheads let us down. I think it was Keeney. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear that because I reckon we've only heard it once or twice, maybe officially on this podcast in three seasons. So I'd... season four could be exciting for cool in the gang. I'll tell you what the league is excited to hear is whoever the number six seed is because they love it when we talk very nicely about each other on this podcast. That's true. Your team's going to be fucking atrocious, Hod, and I hope you uh, you don't win any games. So number six is the San Diego Demons. Um, six seems about right for a bloke who we don't know what his roster is going to look like in three weeks' time. So just middle of the pack. It could be totally different team in three or four weeks. He brings in Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, Rashad Bateman, Deshaun Watson, Jerry Judy, and Devonta Smith. Uh, some very notable names there, but some also very notable names in the out section here. Just get a load of these names. Justin Herbert, Tua Tugavagaloa, and AJ Brown and Josh Jacobs there making their way out. They are four very notable players mm. that he has sent out there, Keeney. No doubt. And clearly by the looks of this, it's it's a it's a case of wanting a bit more depth for Camo. Um, I think clearly his QB changes are the biggest talking point. So he had um, Justin Herbert, obviously, and, and Tua as basically his only two. So there's clearly was some concern over Tua. So the way to turn two into three was probably having to lose Herbert. So that's sort of what he's had to do um, to get the three QBs, which I personally think you need in Dynasty. Um, Odd, any thoughts on that? Um, no, I was going to go a different direction. So if you want to continue any more on that, go no, for that, it. No, that was it really for the QBs. It's probably just, yeah, it's a tough sell to, to sell a Herbert, but I reckon he clearly thought worst case scenario is he's got Herbert and Tua and Tua has a concussion and he's done. And how do I go from one QB to three? It's really hard. So he's probably taking the, the less risky option, selling off a really good asset, but getting, you know, three QBs in return. And one of them's Deshaun Watson. So who knows? He could be just as good if he bounces back. Um, same thing with Russell Wilson. Who knows? But... Um, he has let a fair bit of talent go out the door, but he's got some back as well. Well, you say less risky, but the jury's still out on Danger Ross. So I want to flip it back to you here, Keeney, because there is a lot of hype around Sean Payton's history and what he can potentially bring to this Denver offense. And Camo must be a believer because he's gone out and he's got the stack of Russ and Jerry Judy so how do you feel about what Sean Payton can bring to Denver uh, based off what he obviously brought to you for a solid decade of top five, top ten offences? Yeah, it's, it's one of the more interesting storylines, I think, for the year um, in terms of how this goes with Sean Payton. He, Sean Payton didn't bring Russell Wilson to Denver, so does he have an attachment with him if things go bad? Um, I was definitely concerned about that. The other thing I was concerned about was in the twilight years of Breeze's career, he just turned him into a 
a game manager, good defense. Um, you know, run the run the ball. The Saints ran the ball a shitload in the last two or three years of Drew Brees' career. I think Denver could be similar. I think they're going to run the ball a lot, play defense, and not ask Russell to do much. Um, so, for me, there's some con- there's some concerns for him, but um, who knows? If there's a stabilizing year, then maybe maybe next year's better. But I'd still have con- some concerns with that relationship going forward. I I agree with your point that he didn't bring. Russi in, therefore, he's not tied to him. But I think the contract that he was brought in and given might actually just tie the hands of Sean Payton there. So mm. he's he's pretty much stuck with him until the age of about 37, 38. Uh, probably even 39, you could argue, if you look at just what the sort of cap hit is on that. So that's a long time. We're looking at 2026, potentially 2027, before you can start realistically saying that Denver should move on from him because I can't see them... Being able to trade him at his age and what he's putting out at the moment, so I think he's going to have to try and uh, he's going to have to try and get the absolute best out of Russell Wilson in the twilight years of his career. Hold. Well, yeah, you took it right right from me there, Ben. I, I think I, I took what out of your mouth. Sorry, you took it right from me. Oh, sorry. Um, the yeah, I, I absolutely think it it is. You are coming to Denver uh, because we think you can fix Russell, uh, and that is the T's and C's of this. Otherwise you're both out. So mm. I think, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that um, based on the, the contract. Yeah. And the question for me is like, will he ask him to do much? Yeah, which, go which back to isn't... early which Seattle isn't... days with just, you know, make yeah. the occasional third down throw. We'll have a solid running game, solid defense. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. fair point. And I mean, I mean, the good thing for Camo is it's is Wilson's his third QB. Like he's starting to Sean and Goff and he's there if he needs to play him and he's, as good a third QB as most have in the league anyway, apart from you, Ben. Um, but, like, that's not that's not terrible. Well, is, has he – yeah, I mean, talk about getting rid of Tua for risk reasons. He's one concussion away from potentially uh, not having a career. Has he brought in just as much risk with Deshaun? Is he one lawsuit away from uh, potentially not having a career? I know they've tied to him contractually, but uh, he's not had the best track record in the last few years. Just a, a thought in terms of risk there. Well, I've got, I've got a thought on the risk of Tua. He's in the best shape of his life. Just ask Ryan Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like uh, off-season bias not playing a part in any uh, reporting that goes on. What about his RB depth, Keeney? What are well, your thoughts on that? It was, it was a curious move um, this week, I think it was, when he sold Josh Jacobs to, to the Prestige Worldwide. He doesn't have a, a super loaded running back room. It's not bad. He's got Mixon and Connor and Antonio Gibson. Um, he's not exploding with other running back options, though. So Josh Jacobs for, you know, this year you'd think um, he'd be a very valuable player. Obviously got Devonta Smith in, in that deal, which is more of a long-term wide receiver player. We obviously know the difference between the shelf life of Wide receiver and running backs sort of comes back to what we were talking about at the top of the pod. Because um, Jacobs is a really fascinating player for mine. Like, he's obviously had this holdout issue, got his one year. What happens at the end of next year? Mm. And then I, I reckon that's probably what Camo is thinking at the moment. But maybe he's just thinking, he's so volatile, I don't want to deal with these running backs anymore. I don't think he's a top echelon guy. I'm going to trade him now for Devonta Smith, who's effectively a first-rounder plus, if you trade him outright. 
So he's getting good return for a running back. Yeah. Um, so I reckon that's sort of what he's doing. But you're right. His depth there is uh, he's pretty thin because after mixing Connor, he's got Gibson there in the flex. He's got Samaje P. Ryan also just floating around and he's starting. But then on the bench, he's got Chase Edmonds, James Robinson, and Dion Jackson, and that's it. That's his entire running room. Uh, running back room there. So Dion Jackson obviously getting value right now with the JT holdout. But, uh, I mean, James so, Robinson doesn't have a, a team. Chase Edmonds, no. uh, I'm sure, no. won't get many looks in. Well, he's not season. the RB2 in Tampa after today, boys. Ooh. Oh, your but boy it, off the waivers. It clearly was a, um, a considered move to move Jacobs on. So, yeah. Um, It'd be great to actually get his thoughts on it, which we'll, I'm sure we'll do eventually. Oh, he has but, got uh, A-Chain as well sitting there on his taxi and Charbonnet. So we can't forget about uh, those young rookies there that he's just stashing away on the taxi. But, you know, one thing that we know or we can rely on with uh, Camo is that he will trade his way into building depth in that position. He will. And uh, and I have it on good authority that he's doing well. He's uh, He's healthy. He's back. He'll be making some noise in this league this year. He wants to go all the way. He's told me he's in it to win a ring here. He's not fucking around. He's not here to count spiders. He's here to count rings. Excellent. And that's what he'll try and do. Well, we wouldn't want him counting anything else, spiders or anything else. But uh, the number five team will move on to, speaking of rings, a bloke that has managed to pick up his second, that motherfucker. Number five, the OJ's legal team. Uh, not doing an awful lot this offseason in terms of uh, trades. He's, he liked some players that he traded for in the draft, in the rookie draft we spoke about, but he brought in Joku and he sent out DeAndre Hopkins and Ramondre, uh, both to Matty Mack. Am I right in saying that? I know definitely yep. Ramondre, but uh, yeah, so he's just sort of... Uh, Ramondre clearly looked like um, maybe wasn't going to have too as much work as probably what he had last year, and I think it was one of the reasons why Jake wanted to jump off there and DeAndre on his way out in terms of age as well, so trying to get some value. So, Hod, thoughts on uh, where the champ champs list is at? Well, we'll put the thoughts out there because nobody's really doing that for him, the defending champ champ, uh, but it's been relatively quiet with the Ramondre was that a bit of a crystal ball and he got rid of him right before Zeke got signed? Uh, it was a few, it was probably a month or so before Zeke went there, but I definitely, knowing the way that he operates, he, that would have been, there were a few free agents floating around and I think he was pretty uh, nervous that maybe they might have picked someone up and it would have tanked his value. And the, the grapevine has it on good authority that he watches a lot of uh, college football, our man, Champ Champ, and he loved Jordan Addison. Loved Jordan Addison, wanted him in the draft, was looking to try and get into the first round and take him. He was available at the 110. He gave Thais an option, I believe, uh, out did. of Ramondre and Najee Harris. And yep. he said, take your pick. I want Jordan Addison. And Thais said, I'll have Ramondre, thanks. And that's what happened. So similar similar situation to what we were talking about with Camo, really. Like he's traded in, you know, Ramondre's 24-25. He's not that old. Um, he's traded in the running back got a first-round receiver into the building that has a bit more longevity, and maybe that's what teams are looking at. Like, they don't want to be left holding the bag with these 25-year-old running backs that have two years left. I'd rather give me 10 years of Jordan Addison. Well, I'll continue on the Ramondre Stephenson theme here. Does does Jake selling him 
give an insight as to his mindset in 2023. Is the champ champ wanting to champ, champ, champ? Well, I almost think it might be the, the other way. Like, he's, he's gotten younger, um, you know, a, a wide receiver that won't produce as much as what Ramondre will this year. Is he a little bit... Is he, is he feeling like he, he can't contend with the big boys this year? So he's going to cash in the running back, Ben. I, I'm just, I've got the voice of Jake in my head when you said that line there. And he's sitting, listening to this pod, probably somewhere in Europe, because that fucker has been over in Europe for the last seven months, it seems like. But he's there going, big boys, I'm the champ champ with two rings. Who are you talking about big boys oh. over here? Put it this way, mate. If he doesn't win a ring this year and he's won two out of four, I'd call that a complete toy cost. Oi! <laughs> and he'd say, are you fucking mad? Benny, no! <laughs> no! Oh, well, fuck. Speaking of toy costs. <laughs> it broke your brain just trying to say it wrong. It's harder to say it wrong <laughs> it than really it is, is right. Um. The quarterback room for the legal team, it's, it's, well, it's shit. So, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Taylor Heineke, Drew Locke. I say it's shit because the depth is concerning. I actually think Cousins and Carr, that can be a very, very fun little duo this year. They're always proven to be around that. Low QB1, high QB2, which is absolutely fine in fantasy. Yep. That's a good place to be. It's a safe he's floor. Got, yeah. He's got depth everywhere else. Um, strong in the RB room, which we've talked about a lot. That's consistent with the upper echelon of teams in, in this league. So, can that quarterback room withstand another season? And it probably is going to be, it's going to be testy if he gets an injury there. How does what he do how does he build depth? I mean, Heineke has got a potential if Ritter stinks in Atlanta. They might go to Heineke, might get some value there, but Locke I can't see having any value ever. How does he build depth at that position? What does he have to do? Well, it's got to be the RB room. That's that's where he's strongest. He's got he's got four, four he's got five first round picks over the next 3 years. So he does have he does have some assets to sell if he wants to um it's probably for me just, yeah, it's just the risk involved. And we'll talk about the prestige coming up, but like he pulled the trigger on a Ryan Tannehill this week. So is that, was he thinking, if I don't pull the trigger, maybe Jake will? Because clearly I think Jake would want to be entering into the year with, with three. Maybe he just wants to wait and see how it goes. As you said, Hyde, like Derek Carr in, in the Dome this year, uh, he could put up some numbers. Playing um, revenge mode. Yeah, so, yep. you know, if they're healthy, no no issues. It's The big question is, do they stay healthy? And do you need that uh, QB3 now, or do you just deal with it when an injury happens um, and pay a little bit more if it does happen? Yeah. Were, were they his, well, they were, based on the ins and outs. They were his two QBs last year. Yep. Yeah. But he had Heineke for a fair bit of the year. Yeah. And Drew Locks were backing up Geno, is that right? Yeah, sure interesting. Is. Yeah, so it uh, it'll be interesting to see how he yeah tries to position for a bit of depth there. Does he use some of those picks? Does he uh, use up some of those players that he's got depth at? So 
I'm sure he would be feeling a bit more comfortable if he had three startable players. And Heineke right now isn't in the startable category, but he could be by week, you know, five or six. Well, and before we move on to the next third round, next third round, <laughs> will will the champ champ be sitting here listening to this and thinking? The league's put me at number three in my division, the champ champ. There's only been Scooter, and he's next up. There's two ahead of him. The disrespect has started early. The fantasy gods will be called upon, and he won't forget this. Well, we will, uh, we'll break this down into visions in a little bit, but absolutely. He's, he's surely sitting there going, how could I be just one spot ahead of Scoot, who picked up Michael Mayer as a blocking tight end? There's no way he'd want to be just floating around in the same sort of stratosphere as him. Nope. Number four. Oof. We just Here spoke we of Here we go. the Johnny Unitas haircuts the league have sitting at the number four there who went bang in the offseason and he brought in some big names. Aaron Rodgers, Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams. There's some three pretty nice names to bring in there for a team that's looking to compete at the pointy end and he's just sent Deontay Johnson on his way out the door. So... Keeney, it's it's an interesting list that uh, Manny is building here. It is. It's uh, and it's look. It's the league. I feel like the league has some pretty dumb uh, members, but also some really intelligent ones that have that have obviously pushed up the Johnny Unitas haircuts here to number four, which is a little higher than I thought the league would uh, would go with. But clearly, they've picked it up. He went seven and seven last year, guys. Set all seven of his losses were by under 12 points. He was whew, desperately unlucky last year. He had a championship-winning potential roster. Um, he's still got some ridiculously good pieces all over his roster, particularly in the wide receiver room, as we know. Um, but, you know, when whenever you compare Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Alave, Andrews, Drake London, Christian Watson... <laughs> and then add Rogers and Kamara. You're right in the mix. So he's uh, there's. I don't think I don't even think he's a dark horse. I just think he's a genuine contender this year. Um, he's he's used his picks well. He's still got some first round picks up his sleeve if he wants to go there. Um, the only question I've got for you two boys is: Does he need to add another QB? He's got only got ten on the roster. Um, is that enough to get him through? Well, why don't we throw to um? Jake there, Benny. He has some thoughts on it. On uh, on his QBs? Yeah, particularly one of them. Well, he, he f- was thinking that it's a bit of a... Absolute toin cost. ...to uh, land on which one, but... Are you fucking mad? <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking recording? Yes. This is fucking ridiculous. You're the dumbest yeah. cunt I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> I hell. hope the pod caught that. Well, but, um, fucked that up. Good job. Fuck, you got seven of them. You're a dickhead. So, he, uh, that's, that's a fair bit of shade to a team that is one spot higher than him on the league census power rankings. There, uh, mm. He's got a lot of QBs, let's be honest, but um, I don't think Mariota, PJ Walker, Cooper Rush, Davis Mills are, are going to be proving to be valuable anytime soon. Um, what about unless injuries happen. What about Stenson, Bennett, Bailey, Zappi, Malik Willis, and Will Levis? 
Yep. On the Didn't see court. them on the taxi. Um, yeah, also them too. So Bailey Zappi got cut and then did he get signed again to the practice yeah. squad? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's Will, Will Levis, Will Levis, Malik Willis will be fascinating with, you know, you'd presume Tannehill's last year um, in Tennessee, most likely. So obviously one of those could see some genuine uh, return on investment next year. So he's... His he's wide, hanging on. His wide receiver room does make me laugh, though, that you've got his starting lineup. He's starting five at the moment. Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Chris Olave, Drake London, Christian Watson. A lot of people would cream their pants to have those five wide receivers. They're just the luxury of starting. Then you go to his bench and he's got Michael Thomas, Christian Kirk, Van Jefferson, KJ Osborne, Zay Flowers. And a lot of people would love to have just a healthy lineup like that. But then you continue and go down. He, he's gone and just squeezed Sky Moore on his taxi squad just for good value too. It's fucking stupid, the players he's got at wide receiver. So I'm, mm. uh, I'm interested to watch what he does in that space. Um, does he flip some of those young guys? I know he's done it with Garrett Wilson and a couple of others over the last year and a bit. Yeah. So try and sort of – I don't <laughs> – I don't think why I don't understand why he's waiting for some of those QBs to pan out. Um, yeah. Maybe he just figures. Well, actually, you know what? Geno Smith took fourteen years, didn't he? No, he took mm. nine years to actually become relevant. So maybe he's hoping that PJ Walker might be a similar type of player. Well, just on those quarterbacks panning out, I think it is a concern when you see Malik Willis last year fill in for Tannehill. Very ordinary. Ordinary enough for them to go and draft a Will Levis that high and then for Will Levis not to beat out Malik Willis in the off-season. I don't know where, you know, you said that that'll be interesting to watch one of them pan out potentially as the successor. It hasn't started well, but we've seen this. We've, we've seen it a number of times where it takes time, but still for the banana man himself, it hasn't been a, an off-season um, that he probably would have wanted. No, definitely not. Um, I'm just interested to see what uh, the great man does uh, this year. He's a deep thinker, as we know. He uh, he definitely thinks he's the smartest man in the room, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if he does sell some wide receivers to uh, maybe to add some QB depth. Who knows? But he is on the record of saying he won't ever sort of sell until he thinks he's right there and a winning chance. So I think he's going to, once again, see how the year plans out, uh, pans out and then maybe see some fireworks towards the trade deadline. Well, I don't know. I don't know if smartest man in the room and trading away the third best dynasty wide receiver. Uh, what did he get for Wilson? He got uh, the Houston... QB, didn't he? What? Did he really? No way. Davis Mills. Wasn't he part of the deal? Anyway, while he, we're while we're doing that, I thought you were referring to Joe Burrow, who he also traded away. He traded uh, you're right. He Garrett traded Wilson. Garrett Wilson for Davis Mills and a twenty twenty three second. It's not looking great, but Joe no. Burrow would be handy on this roster too. Hmm. Like if he had Joe Burrow, he'd be He'd be red hot, wouldn't he? Red but this is where, I mean, you can't, but then he did the right thing jumping off Russell Wilson when he did for what he sold him for. So it's sort of, you know, this mm. is the, it comes out to be a bit of a wash if you do enough trades. But uh, speaking of another bloke who thinks he's the smartest man in the room, the number three consensus ranking is the grouse. 
uh, who brought in Christian McCaffrey, Dallas Gildert, and Justin Herbert. Three pretty sexy ins there for you, Keeney. And sending out Kyle Pitts, your little darling, Jalen Naylor, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, and Rashad Bateman. Hod, give us your thoughts. That is that is me, boys. Um, the Grouse, is this three consecutive years in the, at least the top four, but top three power ranking to start, or are we just two? Uh, this would be the third year. I don't think third he was year, around right. the mark in the first year, but this is the third for sure. It's um, it's quite a feat being up the pointy end for as long as you have, but you'd you'd want to fucking win something this year, according to Champ Champ. I know he'll be beating down the drum if you don't. But um, how long is the window open? Let's let's start with that boy. Uh, actually, I won't say boys. Let's go to Benny first. He's he's your biggest rival, arguably, in the league. You two have been up there for a couple of years now. What do you think of your of your rival? Where where is the list at? I think that he's addressed his biggest weakness, and that was QB. And he went and got Justin Herbert in, um, and it's starting to look a bit healthy there in that position. So I'd say that his window is is still well and truly open. He does a lot of sensible sideways moves. This guy, uh, not sideways moves, but when he sends someone out, he tries to get a bit of insurance players back up. So. Gets in Christian McCaffrey, gets in Justin Herbert. Dallas Goddard is a great uh, tight end to have in terms of value. Uh, could easily see himself jumping up into that top sort of three or four tight end mark. It's a pretty easy group to get up into outside of number one. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that his list is probably good. He's, he's got one very competitive person that he has to uh, worry about in his division, and that's probably what makes it his window extra interesting to watch and he's got Matty Mack obviously being very competitive at the same time and those two have to fight it out for a division spot so he's got a hope for uh he's got a hope for healthy players and he's got a hope for a bit of luck and then get himself in the best position uh to get into the playoffs every year yeah I um before we dive into the the most important position in fantasy superflex, um I do want to point out that Dallas Gildert trade. I, I really like it. I think he could be the tight end too after this season, um, given Kelsey's going to be 35. Mark Andrews probably the unanimous pick to be number one moving forward um, with the contract and Lamar back on board. So, um, But he, he could be right up there this year. And you look at Pitts, there's still some question marks on him. He had a great rookie year with a 1,000 yards, but not a lot since. And we just don't know what the usage is with him. Drake London saw an awfully high percentage, 30% of the targets last year. We don't know how good Ritter is. Kyle Pitts, it sounds stupid, but was giving up some reps to Jonu Smith, who is a good blocking tight end, so would be on the field a little bit more than what the Pitts owners would like. So that's the jury's definitely still out on pits, so I, I really like that one. But let's go to the quarterback room. So you've got the big Sherbet. That's a huge get for the Grouse. But after that, it's Stafford, and his, his wife's come out and given the real truth. He's just not a good locker room guy. So who knows how long he's going to last this year in the locker room and on the field with um, just age and injury. But after that, you got Baker, you got Mac Jones, and Josh Dobbs. Um it's not it's not the worst um 
QB two options here. I think they're the, just they're yeah. just steady QB twos. I think the Baker development this offseason has been pretty handy for you. Obviously, he got didn't know where he was going. He had a nice little finish in uh, at the Rams last year, but going off to the Bucks and clearly winning that job and actually looking pretty decent this offseason. I think he. Um, he could well and truly rise in value, and then that kind of saves your QB room a little bit. But Stafford is definitely on the fence in terms of age, health, and everything in between. So I'm sure you'd be pretty happy with how Baker's been traveling Keeney this offseason in terms of that position. Yeah, I think I think they're all on the fence, to be honest. Like, worst-case scenario, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Stafford finished and then Baker's sort of on a one-year one leash, it seems like, at every team he goes to. And then Mac Jones obviously had a really promising rookie year, but then his second year was ordinary. So need him to bounce back as well. If he puts in another stinker, he's probably under pressure. So um, at the moment, I feel like they're solid QB2 options, but a lot can change in, in a year's time. Well, just on McSnorkel, you, you talk about off-seasons in Pittsburgh. It couldn't have gone any better for Jones as well. Yeah, Bailey's app, there was talk of him taking his spot they've clearly put that to bed he's on the practice squad now um you get bill o'brien back in who's a handy offensive coordinator um and has had success in new england with his system so i think i think he's in 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 as good a spot since his rookie year which he did come on strong and the talk has been the leadership with Mac Jones and running that offense so far. So I think it's been a pretty encouraging off-season for him to bounce back. Yeah, hopefully. And I think, you know, Matt Patricia was a bit of a disaster last year. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. Like, you, you hear good things. You just hope, you know, I think his ceiling is sort of like a Kirk Cousins type, which has always sort of been that. But I'd be over the moon if he's Kirk Cousins for the next eight years as my QB too. So we'll see what happens. For sure. Well, how does RB value? Uh, for Keeney. He's got some very, we were talking about it at the top of the show here, some very uh, valuable players for this year in the RB position, but where do they go for next year? Are they, is he riding out all these players? Do you reckon Eckler, Dalvin Cook, CMC, Rashad Penny, Kareem Hunt, J.K. Dobbins? Um, Dobbins might be the exception there in terms of age and where he's at, but the rest are all towards the uh, end of their careers. Um, yeah, well, Dalvin is... Um, Dobbins, Dobbins is a huge year. Uh, I don't know if Baltimore will pay him after um, giving Lamar the deal, but it's kind of similar to where Josh Jacobs was. They made him prove it, and I think Baltimore is going to do the same. He's been um, had an injury cloud in college and in his first few years, um, but a very handy back. So uh, I think he's got a lot to prove this year. Whether he gets that contract in Baltimore or somewhere else, he, he needs to prove that he can stay on the park this year because the talent's there for sure. Eckler, Eckler's, I think, will age pretty well. Um, don't think it'll be in San Diego. They've proven they don't want to pay him um, the premium money. But San I think Diego, he's they've gone back in time, have they? Yeah, the Demons. Um, and CMC, he's still got three years we were talking about before. Um, yep. He's, yeah, I think he's fine. So you'll you'd be looking at Dalvin, Penny, who knows? Kareem Hunt hasn't got a job. So it's I think it's 50-50, but we're not talking about next year for Keeney. We're talking about this year. This is true. And I think it's I think it's a pretty handy running back room um, to put yourself right up there. 
All right. I don't think we need to uh, stress any more about Keeney. We know where his list is at, where he wants things to work out well. The number two team, Ooh. according to everyone in their uh, power rankings there, is the Park City Lions, um, who had some nice off-season acquisitions in terms of bringing in and sending out nobody as well. So not a lot going on at, uh, at the Lion Land hod. You could argue it's a name change to the DFF City Lions. Talk to us, Ben. You're in the same category as the great DFF. You're running it back. So similar strategies, similar results, you could argue. Um, Maybe maybe a slightly different foundation to be running it back from, (laughs) you might argue, is the difference between me and the DFF there. Uh, Yeah, no. I mean, we've spoken about... My list should have made the final last year and should have won it if you go back and don't overthink things. Um, You can't obviously be stagnant for too long, but I'm also not in a rush to go jumping off players and jumping onto players and getting rid of future picks. I don't have many future picks there, but I've got room to to move and I'll sort of just see how things play out a bit. Yes, uh, it's a very, very interesting squad. Um, I suppose when I look at it, I think, um, are you looking at something like what Thais did? So Thais, so I think pretty similar sort of things here. Like Thais was obviously won a ring. <laughs> he won the won the league in year two um, and then sort of did a little mini, re- mini reset. Um, I think your team's got the capability to do something like that. Um, given sort of your age of your, your whole list. You clearly can win it this year, no doubt. Um, and I think what people will understand but don't fully realise is you've got so much value in your QB3 position, whether it's Trevor Lawrence or Lamar, paired with Mahomes. So you've got a QB3 that no one else in the league has got that can fetch you whatever value you want if you were willing to sort of regenerate your list um, is that something you've thought about or is it a wait and see and maybe see what the year looks like as you go? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, ever since I drafted Trevor Lawrence, it's been something that I've thought about. I'm um, hoping that Lawrence obviously goes in the trajectory that everyone thought he would out of college, but it's nice to have three startable QBs or four if um, Tom Brady decides to come back out of retirement again. So we'll wait and see on that one. But yeah, I mean, of course, you you've got all sorts of different directions you can go in when you've got players like that. So it's like you said, if people are willing to pay and if the price is right and if it leaves my team in a better position, then absolutely I'll look to to move them. I just love the angle you two are going at with each other, just trying to work out strategy. Where are you at? What are you thinking <laughs> next year, this year? It's very, very funny to watch this. Their, their, their eyes... Um, ladies and gentlemen, they're very sheepish, both of them. When they got asked these questions, they're looking down, they're looking around. I saw Ron Barassi get a little bit of looksy in the back there, Keeney. <laughs> it's uh, very fishy what these two are doing, but I like it. Uh, nothing fishy. I, given that you haven't done anything in the off-season, surely you've had offers for these QBs. Have you had some interest? Uh yeah, I don't know. I've had a little bit of interest for Trevor Lawrence, obviously. He's the one that people would be going for because, like you said, it's who you're trying to sell to. Um, but he's, he's perfect because you can sell him to a contender or someone at the bottom of the league that 
he's don't worry about using my picks i'll just i'll just use them to get something i know so he's a really good asset to just sell who to whoever yeah exactly but i'm also not in a rush to to sell because we'll go through it in the divisions but you know we'll wait and see how the divisions play out and i might uh I might just be looking okay in my division, depending on how Manny and Jake and Scoot's teams go this year. Uh, yeah, I'm not in a huge rush, and I think that you know we'll talk about the number one team who seemed like they were in a huge rush to turn their list over this off season. So there's two ways to go about it: you can get in early, or you can just sort of see the lay of the land and and make some changes here and there. Absolutely, and the last thing I've got for you. Just looking at your starting lineup, Mahomes, Kelsey, Pacheco, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. Three Chiefs, three Niners. How are you feeling about play, having that sort of construction every week? How are you feeling about the Niners, Benny? I'm feeling good, Hod. How are you feeling about the uh, Steelers? Um, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, if there's off two offenses you want to have a lot of chips in, I'd take those two offenses every day of the week. They are they're nice one pieces to have, and they've proven that you know Ayuk was sort of um, a bit of an unknown quantity last year, and he was in the doghouse, and no one really knew if where he sat in the pecking order. And then he finished ridiculously high on the season. I think he was a wide receiver six or something in the end overall. Um, after having a shocking start. So he's got a high ceiling. He's a good young wide receiver who I could trade out, Hod, uh, to maybe a team on the rise or, or maybe I hang on to him and, and sell oh, Debo Keeney to... Uh, hold on. Has there been... We've got some live grapevine going on here. This is, <laughs> this is hitting a bit well, too I may, close to I home. may be talking to two blokes who tried to come after both of my wide receivers from the 49ers. So... Both from different angles there, but but I, uh, you know, I'm I'm quite happy to to roll out as many 49ers players and as many Chiefs players each week. There you go, Tim Oss, Brock Purdy. Yeah, send him my way. Straight swap, Trevor Lawrence, Tim Oss. Chuck that in your calculator. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's a lot more to talk about my team. I don't think we need to spend any time on a team that hasn't done anything in the off season. So maybe in a few weeks we can. You know what I love? The man who wanted this ep more than anyone has had to wait the longest for a little bit of airtime. He's the had leagues. to wait all one hour, 38 minutes to get to this point, but the Woo-hoo! league has landed on the number one team, the Prestige Worldwide. And when you uh, had a pretty good foundation and then you built upon it with some nice, talented young players coming in, he's... He's done a fair bit to his roster and he's turned those picks into value value and valuable players. Uh, in comes Deontay Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, Elijah Mitchell, Ramondre Stevenson, Josh Jacobs, and Ryan Tannehill. And out goes Romeo Dubes, Tyler Algier, David Njoku, Cortland Sutton, Keontae Ingram, and Jaden Reed. Hod, talk us through your thoughts. Well, I'm just looking at the ins and outs there and he must have parted with some capital in the drafts upcoming because that is an almighty uptick in established players. But is it the signal of intent here? He's 11 trades in the off season, as well as trading up to the 101 for Bijan. And then you add in Cooper cup there. I don't think there's any more he can signal, but what I love is his battle with his own mind. 
and he's got you two right there. And I can only imagine that the reason that you would make all the trades that he has very recently, I'm, I'm more focusing on because it's kind of a shaky time to part with um, capital to um, get players in of, of this high regard because they could go down week one. And like you're doing, Benny, you're just seeing how it plays out a little bit. I think that's a, a more secure way to go into it. But I think Maddie's he's either flexing or he's trying to get in and play the game before you guys get in. So it's really interesting to see the dynamic of the top three here um, play out. How have you felt being his biggest or closest rivals as according to the league? How have you seen the recent trades and activity which have pole vaulted him up to the number one spot, um, I would imagine? Well, yeah, he's been he's been very aggressive, no doubt, um, and clearly he's uh, he's he's pretty loaded in uh, every every aspect. The QB was always an issue with uh, Allen and and Burrow, and if there's any form of injury, it would really hurt him. Um, although he's probably deep enough that it wouldn't be too bad anyway, but probably really good insurance to get Tannehill over the line. Um, yeah, it's it's clearly he's clearly had a huge off season. He only really had I think he only had three first round picks in the end. So he had a bank of first round picks. He used them on uh, Bijan, traded one out for Ramondre, um, and took a couple others, took JSN um and one other from memory. Um but I think he's had a nice off season. Like I think some of the players that he had, like a uh, Jalen Warren, has had a really nice off season. You know, that's one player that he probably didn't count on that he now might be able to. Um, you know, even someone like a Darren Waller moves to the Giants. You, you think there's an uptick there from, from what it was last year. So he's had some good internal growth as well as obviously going to the draft and, and being aggressive in the trade table. So I'll put it this way. He'll need to improve. He was 300 points behind me last year. Um, and, you know, I've just added Herbert and McCaffrey. So hopefully he can uh, improve enough to, to get the division done. I think you uh, you couldn't have summed up Thais any better with the term internal growth because that's what that bloke deals with on a daily basis, just especially at uh, 7 a.m. in the morning. Bit of internal growth. Um, You'd hope it's external, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, not for him. Uh, yeah, I think, I think he has done a nice off-season strategy and that's the Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last, and get in early on the trades because then you sort of... We speak about there's only a limited sort of number of people that are buying particular players, and if you can sort of hoard them away from the others, then you're kind of boxing out your opposition a little bit. So the Ryan Tannehill one I really like because he's a gettable QB on a roster of someone who's definitely interested in selling. So if you get in first, it's a little bit like Tom Brady was in a similar vein last year. He's very old. He clearly only had one year left in him, but if you box out the opposition who are in need of those positions and it helps you out why not get in early yeah well i mean the league's spoken he is the league favorite heading into 2023 um so given that we know you don't win the ring in the off season but he's definitely shaped uh, or set himself up in good shape for this coming season but do you reckon do you reckon these uh moves which you just spoke quite fondly of will inspire more one-year rebuilds? Quite, yeah, I think quite potentially. Like, 
I think what it does is it shows the value of um, having having a lot of first round picks. Um, it, how quickly your roster can change. Like Bijan's the dynasty running back one, um, so you just think, you know, that was even though he packaged up a few picks, um, the optimism around first round picks and and the the total ceiling of your team can really change if you have a lot of picks. So. You know, he sold Dak and he sold CeeDee Lamb and he sold some quality players to get picks. And at the time, it was sort of like, well, it seems like a bit of sideways. The benefit was he won a ring. So he sort of, he felt like, oh, I've won one. I've won one. Let's try and go for some serious ceiling now, um, which I think is what he's done. So interesting to see if there's any other league members that sort of mimic that. Um, I think Papa's in a good position to do something similar without, without the core roster behind him i think hod you're in a similar position if you wanted to as well um so i think there's a few teams looking at you know building i think building foundationally from qb and then a few pieces and then going to the draft and just maximizing the ceiling of their their overall roster for sure yeah no i i agree i think it Picks are only good if you turn them into good players. So you can do that either by drafting and then actually finding out if you've drafted well or you can flip them for proven talent and he's done a combination of both. So if Bijan turns into the player that you expect, you hope he doesn't sort of have a season like Brees Hall where he shows the potential and then gets a, a shocking injury. I mean, but every player runs the risk of that. So, you know, Thais, he's, he's got that mentality, as you said, Keeney. Of, well, I won a ring last year, so like kind of whatevs. And I think from that, he uh, yeah, he proved that he can pivot as much as he wants and, and his list is in probably the healthiest position it's been, probably healthier than when he run, won the ring itself. Uh, and that was on the back of turning a pick into Chase, who became probably one of the most valuable dynasty players after that rookie season. So let's. Uh, I'm just mindful of the time. We finished with the power rankings, but uh, we're not just going to finish on just power rankings because that wouldn't be a... That wouldn't be a powerful episode if we just had one sort of segment. We've got to finish stronger than that. Divisional, divisional, divisional. Let's get divisional. Let's talk division stuff. Everyone's been waiting. They've been waiting for, f- for that drop. 15 episodes that we didn't release up until this point. We're at episode two of 2023, but we've made it all worthwhile by delivering that drop on the first one, Keeney. R.I.P. Olivia Ninja. Yeah. Uh, pour one out for, for Olivia and Xanadu and all those uh, other fantastic movies that she took part in. But she brought us Let's Get Divisional, and she will always be forever known by bringing the divisional <laughs> uh, tune to the podcast. And we'll start with... The most fascinating division, uh, not Ooh. not the best division in the history or the world of sport, Hod, just the most fascinating. That's the Sonny Weaver Jr. Just based off the power rankings alone, it's going to finish number one, Camo, who was the sixth-ranked team, two, Hod, the seventh-ranked team, three, Jim, the eighth-ranked team, and four, the DFF, the tenth-ranked team. You could not get a tighter group of sphincters than you could at the Sonny Weaver Jr. division, Hod. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's shaping up just to deliver on what is the best division in world sport. And it's tight. It is very tight. Um, I don't know if you can split them. 
I was going to say, Ben, what do you reckon? I, I'm leaning towards Team Hod this year. Uh, he's a real nice schmulky. Well, I mean, talking about the, the picks that he holds and potentially flipping those to get more playable assets on his roster, it just suddenly makes his list interesting. But uh, I'm going to go with a different dark horse this year in this division, and that's the DFF. Oh. He's just going to sit there. He's going to grind those gears at the factory. He's going to get all the tools out of his tool chest that's just collecting dust in the corner. And he's going to actually make some trades, boys. This is uh, this is going to be the year of the DFF, and he's going to take out the Sunny Weaver Junior Division. Just you watch this space. He's going to learn from his. He's just taken three years to get the lay of the land, and now he sort of figures out the mechanics of how this league works, and he's got us all figured out, and and we should all be scared. Do you? you um, is there a bottle bet there, Ben? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare dream of of trying to back up another bottle bet because I think I got away with one last year. Just. And uh, I just, you know, you got to sometimes you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them, Keeney. Did you say he's going to trade Boyd's? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure Tyler Boyd is still sitting on DFS <laughs> roster. Well, Did he, he draft him initially? Yeah, he would be. Yeah, he probably. Yeah, he's just let those he's let those blossoms bloom, and now it's time to uh, now it's time to open up a florist and sell those bloomed blossoms. Can I keep going with this analogy? Probably not. Yeah, the, the flowers are dead. They uh, some of them might have not made it past the first three seasons, but let's move on to you know now that you look at it, the the Bo Callahan division is another interesting one based on those power yeah. rankings. You've got the Lions finishing with the second ranked team. The Sensible Haircuts with Manny finishing fourth, Jake the fifth team, and Scoot rounding out the ninth ranked team. So you've got second, fourth, fifth, ninth all sitting in that division. Uh, also another sort of tight-knit group there. Uh, where, how do you see this one playing out? Oh. Well, I'm trying to do some quick math, seeing where the best division lies here. So you've got second, fourth, fifth, and ninth. It has to be the Bo Callahan, doesn't it? The strongest divvy? I think so. Yeah, yeah, probably based on those numbers. We'll get to the we'll get to the polarizing Vontae Mack division the, in a second. The champ champ in at number three in the div. Come on, how strong is that? It's true. I think, that, I think that's where he'd like to be though. He's always been middle of the pack and it's delivered him two rings. So who can upseat Benny here? Um, I do. I, I like the addition of Rogers to Manny's roster. That's what he hasn't had. I think Rogers is going to have a pretty, pretty strong year. I think the Jets are going to be pretty strong. Um, so that is my dark horse for that division. Um, but I still think I was at like I was looking when you said earlier, Ben, about Camo's squad not having depth. So I've have felt that's been a weakness for you. In the past, but then looking at your running back room with Henry and Chubb, that's that's as good a tandem for this one season coming up as you might have in the league. Um, uh, uh, other than Kenny with Eckler and Sam C, but it's it's strong. But then you've got some depth behind there that I didn't really factor in, like having the Miami Dolphins backfield. You're going to have a, a someone from there that you can play week on week. Um, so, yeah, I still think it's Ben's definitely, but um, I do, yeah, I do like Manny's chances. 
Um, especially after a bad luck year, it that does usually turn around. Mm. Can you call him a dark horse when he's the fourth ranked team? Is that well? Yeah, oh, the, league, the, the league's yeah. all over it. The league is all over it. Um, and something else they're all over is the Vontae Mac Devige. <laughs> all over the place. This division. Well, it is because there's a a couple of coin tosses here or coin tosses. <laughs> coin tosses. <laughs> It's, it's real hard, the toin cost. We've got the Dublay toin cost here. Um, number one is Thais first Makes in, sense. The, uh, in the yep. power rankings. Keeney the Grouse, number three in the power rankings. But then we fall away to Pappas Punishers, the 11th ranked team, and the Straight Cash Homies in Timos, the 12th ranked team. So it will be a real toin cost for Caleb Williams and a toin cost for the number one, number two seed, Playoff buy we, in this division. We need to rename this to the Ricky Bobby division, surely, <laughs> because yeah, that is how this is going to play out. If you ain't first, you're last in this division. That is uh, probably even more reason why maybe the power rankings should shift you, Keeney, to the second spot because you get to play Papa and Tim twice. And if they are the 11th and 12th uh, team, you, you get two very... Uh, winnable games in the season. So maybe that's, you know, whereas you look at the Bo Callahan division, second, fourth, fifth, ninth, play them twice every uh, for the season. So, you know, maybe your your schedule might be a bit more favourable. It's true, but I would say that you can't have the one and two seed in the same division. So oh, there's, gonna be, true. there's only going to be one team here who gets a bye in this division. So plenty to play for. Oh, so I mean, can you pick a dark horse in this in this division? I don't think it really pans out. I'm not picking the Punishers. Sorry, Papa, because you just love uh, having all these assets. But you know what? I will pick him only because he could tomorrow flip them all and that would be pretty exciting to watch that play out too. Come yeah, he's, he's like, they're, they're, in the words of Scoot, there is a world <laughs> where Papa goes apeshit and trades all nine first rounders for a super team. It'll be. I don't know if this is the year to do it. It'll be a really interesting exercise to see where we're at four weeks into the season, maybe, but more more around six, um, because that'll that'll dictate where a lot of teams go in that middle of the pack. Um, I'd I'd have to throw myself into the ring there. Juicy schedule to start the year. Just just saying. Was the sketch, it is that what's on the app, that is what we're seeing? No, so we don't even know what the opening round opponents are yet. Talk about leaving it late. Uh, All will be revealed. All will be revealed. Well, there you go, Thais. You wait uh, 15 weeks for a podcast and you get a Dublé-length podcast at just ticking over the one-hour 55 mark right now. So there's no surprise we all look as tight as... We, we are on the screen right now, boys. Just a few little uh, reminders as we run onto the season. I know, Keeney, you're going to send some of this out in correspondence, but uh, look out for some of those notifications about constructing of your roster where taxi squad players have to sit, but also uh, yeah, things like trade deadlines and all sorts of fun stuff, Keeney. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, I'll send out a, a full list of... Uh... FYI's before the league starts on Friday, if you don't mind, boys. How good is it? Dynasty is back. It hasn't taken too long, but we are back in business. So can't wait, boys. Um, this will be a more regular thing. Obviously, the pod, you won't have to wait. 
this long to uh, get our next pod, but uh, it's a pleasure to be back on the airwaves with your two good selves. So uh, enjoyed it. Looking forward to the next one. Good luck to everyone in the upcoming season. And why do 15 episodes leading up to the season when you can cram it all into two of the best hours all in one? But you did... did you say two I said He's on your mind. Hours. Oh, two of the best. Two of the best. Um, we do send our condolences to Olivia. And what she will be known most for, though, is just brightening the vocals of Benny on our delicious divisional song. It is one for the ages, Benny, and you, you just sound better right next to someone of the caliber of Olivia. So I do thank her for that. And RIP, as Keeney said, but it's been great, boys. We're back. We're back in a big way. Thais, he surely can get it up before nine now. He's got a pod. He's back. He's the number one seed. It's about the prestige this year, but good to be with you. And I've been waiting a long time for this podcast over and out. We are back!